Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Randy and Shelly from Alberta, Brad from Michigan, Gabriella from California. Thank you for all of those that are watching online. And thank you to every one of you that's here in the room. So glad you're here today. We're going to have a great time. We're going to learn about leveling up. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like leveling up. And I get tired of hearing about level up, level up, level up. I'm like, nope, skip through that one. Nope, I'm not doing that today. So maybe you're in that place, but I hope I can encourage you today. You know, Pastor Keith and Pastor Josh are in New York. They had a men's conference, a warrior conference. They went to establish the whole warrior culture in this church. They've had an amazing time. And uh, some of our even mighty men went up there. And so they'll be back later on this afternoon. And Pastor Keith will be back this weekend, uh, next weekend. And so, uh, but we'll just continue with our Level Up series. But how fun that I get to start us off, and that you came today. So let's start with our declarations. We put our hand over our heart. I declare that I am created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. I declare, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, that all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. Today, I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Come, Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. I love those hands that were raised up, yes. All right, you may be seated. Oh, I'm so excited for our Level Up series. And um, what a great way to start this message and encourage you to level up just like Nate. Was that amazing? Nate was a ninja warrior champion. Nate goes to Elevate Life Church. I didn't even ask in the first service. I'm not sure if... Huh? Oh, shoot. He was in the first service and I didn't even ask. They didn't play that video is why. And now they played it for you guys. So uh, anyway, so how amazing. But you know, one of the things that Nate was saying, he said, uh, he's always seeking to level up and not to become complacent. Well, I want to tell you that, yes, that is inspiring and none of us want to be complacent. But my, my idea of level up maybe a little different than Nate's because I'm not going to be a ninja warrior. And I don't know if I ever had that passion to be one, but I love that that is something that he's athletic. We have people here that you just see people all the time. They work out, they're about their physical body and spirit, soul, and body, right? You know, and taking care of themselves. And we see a lot of people here that are 
a nutritionist and, um, and just a lot of things that, you know, physical fitness. And I've always kind of been somebody that's worked out, but not quite to that level. I'm not going to be swinging on a bar and trying to climb out of a pit. I don't know. I don't want to get injured that way. I think I'll just keep it a little bit simple since I'm 62. So what I did, I'm going to set my shoe here instead of, and I'll put it on in a minute. So what I want to show you is that this is my way to level up. So when I get out of bed in the morning, not only do I make my declarations. Now listen, don't tell Pastor Keith. He probably knows. But he says them out loud. He says, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not me. I say it right here. And right here in my heart. And I say, this is the day within myself. That the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then, you know what I do? Then the next thing I do, I read my Bible. I haven't always been consistent in reading my Bible. I just have to tell you, even though Pastor Keith and I have pastored now for 23 years, we've been in ministry since we were out of college. That's a long time. That's about 44, almost going on 45 years. I cannot believe it. But you know what? I haven't always been consistent. I want to be honest with you. Some days I just get up and I may make my declarations. I may not make my declarations. I may read my Bible. I may not. But you know what? This year, I just so committed that I was going to be consistent, that I was going to level up in this area of my life. And the more that I have done that, the more passionate I have been for God's word and a hunger for God's word. But if you don't ever get in his word, there's not a hunger. You don't understand. You don't know what you're reading. There's so many Bible plans out there to help you go through that. And so that's what I did. So I make my declarations. That's how I level up. I'm not a ninja warrior. I, I, I read my Bible. And then, like I told you, this is what I do. You know why I do this? Because we are about spirit, soul, and body. So our, we have blood that runs through us, but we have a heart that pumps that blood and that flows through us. But do you know that we have more lymphatic fluid in our body than we have blood? And so we don't have a pump. So do you know that this is the number one thing that you can do to move your lymphatic fluid throughout your body? It keeps you healthy. And not only that, it helps with bone density. So my bones are stronger in my legs because I jump and I kick and I do things like this. And I follow routines. And, and, you know, I just want to get myself in shape. And I have good cardio. I'm 62. But I'm going to keep staying young. So I wanted to show you. That's a way that I level up. Your level up may not be that way. And that's okay. You can do whatever you want. But in my message today, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to level up. But what happens in life is that we get discouraged. Life has a way of beating us down because things don't go the way that we have thought that they should go. And maybe there's been divorce. Maybe you thought, I would never, I'll never get a divorce. And then all of a sudden it's happened to you. You know, I, I never planned on losing a child. I would never think in my wildest dreams that you might be saying that, that it would happen to you. And I think one of the hardest things for me as a mother is anytime my children go through something, I would rather go through it before I would want them to go through it. So Keila, she's been through divorce. Did she ever think in six months into her marriage 
that her husband would be with somebody else. That would be the furthest thing from her mind. That my daughter now, and she's posted on Instagram so I can say it, that now she has lost four boys. And just very difficult time. And so life has a way of causing you, when you go through tough times, that you know what, you just don't, you feel like, I don't feel like leveling up. But you know what I've said in my own life? I can look at discouragement. I can look at the things that have happened to me. I can look at things that people say, the way sometimes that I feel about, you know, just, just situations that maybe you've experienced or that I've known about that is sometimes troubling to me. Like sometimes you don't understand why God allows certain things that he does. And, um, but, but through it all, I don't want to be, live in a place of disappointment and dissatisfaction because what I realize is I only have this one life. And what do I want to make of this life? I get to decide. I get to choose how I want to level up. And I want to enjoy life to the fullest. And you know what? As I've gotten to be 62 years of age, the more, the closer I keep getting every, like Pastor Keith said the other day, I'm 63. I said, no, you're not 63. Don't give yourself another year. Like, you know, because it's like life just goes by so fast. And so you want it. I want to treasure every moment that I have. But a lot of times with dissatisfaction and disappointment, we can become complacent. And that's understandable because so many things happen that you just go, you don't want to keep having the emotions that go along with all the disappointment. So you just settle and you just come complacent. You become complacent in your passions. You become complacent in reading your Bible just because you get out of the habit. Maybe you're complacent in your relationships because they're just so much hard work. Relationships are tough. You know, being married to Pastor Keith is tough. You know why? When I first married him, I dated for eight and a half years. We started dating when we were 15 years of age. And, but I remember we got married. I was like, what is wrong with you? Why are you acting that way? I was just like... I saw a different side of him. It's not easy being in relationships, but relationships are worth it. You know, sometimes we can become complacent with our kids because you know what? We get tired of fighting against them. There's so much that's bombarding our kids in this day and age that you are just trying to raise your kids the best that you know how, that all of a sudden these outside influences and things that their friends say, and they come home and say things that, and want to do things that you never thought your children would do. And so sometimes we get tired of the pushback. And so we just get complacent and we just say, you know, we, we stop talking. We stop confronting things that we need to confront. I remember when my kids were growing up, when they were little, man, I thought, man, this is hard. They were close in age. Keela and Josh were 18 months apart. And then Keela and Whitney were 21 months apart. And it was just a lot of work. And then Keith traveled 40 weeks out of the year. A lot of times I had them on my own and just going to the grocery store. I mean, just the stories go on and on. Then they got to be teenagers. And that was a whole set, different set of struggles that I faced and probably a lot more energy demanding because of the expectation of conversation and making sure that you're encouraging them the right way. And when they face challenges, just being there for them. So we live in a time that we're facing a, a, just a whole host of, from social uh, issues, political and economic unrest. And you know what? This weighs heavy on all of us. It gets us in that place of complacency because sometimes we really don't know what to do. 
Well, so in this series, we're calling it Level Up. No matter what season you're in, we want to inspire you, to encourage you, and to go for your dreams. Don't let what we're experiencing in this world to cause you to step back and to not fight and go for what you're dreaming for. Well, I want to read a scripture to you, and I'm going to give it some context. So Jesus is warning his disciples of the great persecution that will happen to them as they represent him. So what he's telling them is not that they're not going to go through persecution. He's telling them that he's going to be with them through the persecution. So I want to challenge you in this with this scripture because the church of Jesus Christ and you as Christians, we live in a time that we're not so popular. We're not really liked by the world. They don't like the fact that we stand for uh, unborn babies. They don't like the fact that uh, of what we believe about marriage between a man and a woman. But you know what? We love people no matter what life they're in, no matter what they've experienced in their life. We're here for people, to love people, but we want to speak the truth in love. But through this word and speaking what this word says, we're gonna be persecuted. And in these latter days, it's gonna get more and more and more. So we're gonna have to level up. But I want to share with you what they experienced and what Jesus told his disciples that he would be there for them. But what he says to them in Matthew 10, 26 through 28, don't be intimidated. Eventually, everything is going to be out in the open and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public now. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body, and soul in his hands. See, we live in these times that maybe you're experiencing some time of persecution right now. To speak, you might sever a long-term friendship or even a family member. We're seeing some of this. I'm hearing some from you guys that relationships have been severed, even in families where family members aren't talking to each other. You see, in our world, there's so much confusion. There's so much division and just lies that are being told because evil is good and good is called evil. Lies are broadcast as truth. Teachers are struggling just to educate our children. There are more teachers leaving the profession of education because it's become such a struggle. We can't even teach the kids because we've got to deal with all the dynamics that this world has brought. Children are living in fear, coming out of mask and isolation. Many of our children, they have anxiety in social settings. As a society, we absorb overwhelming amounts of information. There's so much that's coming through our phones, so much that we click onto. There's so much that's getting into us, just like, what do we believe? What's true? What's not true? Just so much craziness is going on that we have to absorb in our life. Human trafficking is at an all-time high. There's increased division in the church and in families, political crisis, food shortages, and increase in prices. We're seeing that in our economy. We're all being affected, even at the gas pump, at our grocery stores. We are in a, a country that's been in crisis through a lot of different ways. 
So I want to talk to you, a byline for our series is how to be a high-level person in a low-level world. We have to level up. We have to speak up and speak out because you know why? You're a disciple of Jesus, and we can't be silent. The world does not inspire us to be great. It doesn't challenge us to be better. It doesn't tell us to fight the good fight. You can do it. You can make it. It doesn't tell us to stand on the promises of God. So in our Level Up series, we'll be talking about the core values of Elevate Life Church. We have four core values. Every week, there's going to be a different core value. Now, why are we doing this? Because our core values, and we want you to know, they help us understand and you understand who we are and what we value. We try to make decisions here at the church based on our core values. So our first core value is honor. We honor God, we honor this house, and we honor each other. Our second core value is servant leadership. We have been doing servant leadership since we began the church, encouraging you guys to be leaders in this house. I can't tell you how many people, because of their servant leadership roles, have risen up in their companies and become leaders because they learned how to be leaders in this house. And so that is our greatest desire, that you come and serve the house and then you go out and serve on a higher level out in the marketplace. And you share the love of Jesus with your coworkers wherever you go. Growth, we believe, you know this, when you elevate your thinking, you elevate your life. That's right. And so we have a growth mindset here. Now we've had people that have said, I am tired of growing. I don't want to grow anymore. And they've left the church. I can tell you as a pastor, I've said the same thing. There are times I'm tired of growing. How about you? Is there anybody that when you face challenges and you're forced to grow and you're forced to forgive and you're forced to love and it's like, oh, I got to keep doing this thing. I got to keep loving. I got to keep giving. Sometimes we do get tired and sometimes we just want to be selfish. And I don't know, sometimes I just think it's a little bit okay. But you got to get back up and just pull your bootstraps up and say, okay, come on, we got this because I'm not going to stop growing because when I stop growing, I what? Die. That's what they say. That's right. So the, the last of our um, core values is grit. Now that is the one that I'm going to talk to you about today. But I'm going to talk to you about leveling up first before I get to grit. But I have to tell you, I told Pastor Keith, I'm taking grit. He goes, no, I'm taking grit. And I'm like, no, I'm speaking first. So I'm taking grit. You already did grit. You did a whole series about being gritful. So if y'all want to hear Pastor Keith about grit, you go listen to his gritful series. You can find that on YouTube, okay? Or you can find it on our app. So I wanted to talk to you guys about grit today. Is that okay? Okay, so what does it mean to level up? When you level up, you will not settle for average. You never allow the good, that's our family mission statement, to be robber of the best. We can just stay in good and good is good. But how about we be our best and do our best? I wanna encourage you to level up from conforming to the world. We can't live like the world lives. But we are forced in this day and age because we want to be relatable. We want to love people. So sometimes it just comes in 
just slightly like comes into your life and you don't even realize you're conforming because you just think, well, everybody's doing it or this is just the way that we live. You know, this Bible, it's just a little old fashioned and you know that we should have more freedoms than what this Bible says. So you know what? I didn't see myself as conforming to the world. I'm just living like the world lives. Well, that's what I'm exactly talking about. We can't live like the world lives. We can't conform. We have to know what this Bible says. So in James 4, 4, it says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see, if I'm a friend with the world, I have sympathy for the world. And so if I have sympathy for people in the world and where they are, then I really can't lead them because I am empathizing. I'm having sympathy. Oh, I'm so sorry, you know, if I'm, if I'm being friends with the world. But if I am a friend to the world, then I have compassion, which we do have compassion for the world. There are people that are dying and going to hell. They have no idea because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a hole in every one of our hearts that only Jesus can fill. And the world does not know this. So what do they look for? They look for all the things in this world that can satisfy. But many times we do the same thing because we're not going to the source of who Jesus is and what he wants to do for us and how he loves us and that he's got a great plan for our life. And we don't need all the things that the world gives because the world cannot satisfy. It really just brings destruction in our own life. It brings sadness because we really know the life that we should be living whenever we're out in the world doing what the world does. You see, how do we level up? We have to stay faithful to biblical principles. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible, it corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. It also is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. And when I think about that scripture, I think about a time that Pastor Keith and I were in South Africa and we went to a, a place called Londolozi. It was an amazing place where you, they did safaris and uh, it was a beautiful place. And a pastor, uh, when we were there doing a conference, had us go after the conference, said, we wanna take you on this safari. When we went, they were telling us all about the precautions of being, you know, there at this, safari, this place where they do safaris because it's very dangerous. And so they like to remind you of people that were killed. They want to really, I think, scare you half to death. And they want you to abide by their rules because they know it's dangerous and people don't take it very seriously. So there was one night that the first night they were taking us to our room and we were on this path and it was a narrow path. But it was crazy because it was so dark. I don't know where the stars went. I did not see the moon in the sky. Nothing was lighting up. It was, I don't know if I've ever seen a place that was so dark. We had this little flashlight along this path. But we had to stay close because a flashlight is not that big. So we couldn't be very far. If you were a couple of steps away from this flashlight, then you, you could have run off the path. And so we made our way down the path, staying close. This reminds me of this scripture, that it is a light 
for us to follow. The word of God is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And we must stay close to what the word of God says because there's danger outside. And God is warning us of this to say we can get adapted to the culture and we can act like everybody else acts, but we need to hide God's word in our heart. So we might not sin against God. And we need to make this word a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Because I can tell you there was all kinds of dangers out there. That night, about every five minutes, I was making sure the door was locked. I thought, I know an animal's going to come up and they're going to try to get this door unlocked. You think I'm crazy. They are capable of these things. There was, that night, I hardly slept. My adrenals were off the charts. I think I sweat all night long because I kept hearing scratching on top of our little villa and there was pouncing. It sounded like a whole bunch. And all I could think of is it was a bunch of monkeys. I think that's what it was, just wild monkeys. And so, so you just know I felt protected being on the inside of that, but it still was a little scary. Well, that is the way that I picture when I think of that that scripture, I think of that time in our life. So how do we level up? We have to disciple the next generation. They need to understand they have been set apart, that they are image bearers. You see, David wrote a Psalm. It says, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that our kids today, this generation do not know who they are. They do not know their identity because their identity is not in Christ. So their identity is in things. Their identity is in just whatever they think they want their identity to be, right? We live in those times, which whoever would have thought. But I want to show you these pictures on the back screen. There was a Russian man who married a pizza because he said pizzas would never reject him or betray him. There was a woman who's sexually attracted to planes because she wants to and wanted to marry a toy uh, Boeing. This is really sad, but it's also true and it's real and it's the times we live in. So these are just a few ways that you can level up and become a high level person in a low level world. Well, a high level person is somebody that has a heart after God, that's living for God, that serves God. But what is a low-level person? A low-level person is a person who lives in a world of gossip. You know, that can be even in the church. You could love God, but if you live low-level, you live in a world of gossip, a world of negativity and judgment of others. That is not our heart, to judge others or to be negative about others. We care about you. You know what? It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what your life has looked like. We want you to know that we are your greatest cheerleaders. And God is even more so. He loves you and he has a plan for your life. We live in a low-level world, a world that blasphemies God. A world of ideologies based on false narratives. A world of compromise and friendship with the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We see this in 1 John 2, 16. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, what that is craving for everything that we see. We can live that. Even as believers, 
We can get hooked on that when we see things on social media and somebody's wearing something special or somebody is carrying a particular bag or, you know, somebody, you crave for, I want that. And all the things that the world will never satisfy. We all know. We always think things will bring us happiness, right? You get those things and they really don't bring you happiness. But that is what we do. The lust of the eyes, craving for physical pleasure and the pride of life. We want to be important in other people's eyes. And we live that even through our social media, wanting the likes, getting upset when people unfollow us or unlike, good, go. You're obviously not my friend. I'm glad to know that. See ya, right? We don't need them. You're not going to just have everybody that likes you or likes everything you say. And especially in the church, if you're talking about God and you're talking about the things of God, not everybody's going to like on that. They're going to speak judgment. Just know when you post those kind of things, just get ready and then decide who you want to block or who you want to delete. Just get rid of them. It's okay. It's your page, right? You can do whatever you want. So if you're going to level up, we must not only not settle for average, conform to the world. We must stay faithful to biblical principles, disciple the next generation, realize you are empowered to be the church wherever you live and work. But you must understand what it means to live with the biblical worldview. So all those things are good. All those things I want to encourage you to level up in. But you must have a biblical worldview. I can't tell you. When Pastor Keith posted this recently on his Instagram, how many comments he got about people did not know what a biblical worldview was. No judgment in that. Just the majority of the people don't really know. There was a particular coach that coaches uh, people. And he asked my husband, what is a, I don't even know what you're talking about, a biblical worldview. He's a believer and doesn't know what a biblical worldview is. But it's time. I mean, we have to understand what this is. You see, from the time we come into the wor world, our worldview, not our biblical worldview, our worldview is being displayed before us. We're starting, at, by the time that we're age of 13, we understand by what has been modeled for us We've already got what our worldview is. It's already been shaped. Let me tell you what a worldview is. It's how you view the world based on your attitudes, beliefs, values, and actions. It includes the meaning of life and death, right and wrong, the nature of God and man. So how is our worldview shaped? Our worldview is shaped by our culture, by what our culture says. So sometimes you may not even realize the view that you have is based on the culture and not based on the truth, not based on the word of God, just what our culture says. So what happens? We begin to adopt that. It's also our worldview is being shaped by how we were raised, by what our home looked like, life looked like. If we were raised in a Christian home or not a Christian home, it's shaped by our social settings it's also shaped by the schools that we attend. And that's why where your kids go to school is very important. Uh, it's also shaped by the people we align our lives with. And increasingly, our media culture is playing a role in shaping our worldview. You see, if you are consuming entertainment with false ideas, it will inevitably distort your worldview. We don't know how many times we're listening to something that we're taking as facts. We see documentaries. It's still a person's world view that they're putting before us and making statements about that you really don't know. If, is it really the truth, right? 
It's a perspective. It's a person's view of the way they see a particular situation. But a biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God. You see, when you believe the Bible and its entirety, entirely true, if you believe it's totally true, then you will allow it to be the foundation of everything that you say and do. Hebrews 4.1 says, we must pay very careful attention to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. We have to be careful, church. This is the day and age that we live. We will drift and we won't even realize that we're drifting because of what we're adopting into our truths as the real truth that's not the truth because it's not based on the word of God. So there was a recent survey that Barna did and he did a survey and it said only 4% of Americans have a biblical worldview. That's a very sad state that we're in. I wanna ask you, do you have a biblical worldview? You see, someone with a biblical worldview believes the primary reason for existence is to love and serve God. Do you believe the reason you're here is not for your job, not just for your family, not just to exist here on this earth, to go work out, to get in shape. It is to serve and love God with all your heart. We are his disciples while we are here on this earth. But let me tell you the questions that Barna asked so you can answer the questions for yourself to know if you have a biblical worldview. Because it just took one no on these questions to, to put these people out of having a biblical worldview. So if any of these you answer no to, you would be in that category. Do absolute moral truths exist? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe? And does he still rule today? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? More important to answering yes to all of this is are you living it? If you're living it, then you truly have a biblical worldview. Do you know what's really sad? One of the things that Barna stated that first of all, the most important pastors in a church is the children's pastor and the student pastor. But what is really sad is that only 12% of those two pastors, children and student, have a biblical worldview. So when we look at our nation's youngest generation and see how, they, how so many of them don't have a heart and a mind for biblical principles. Because look what, even what they're being taught is only 12%, even when they're in the church, really have an understanding of what a biblical worldview is. So how must we be a high-level person in a low-level world? We must know God's word, we must live God's word, and we must have a biblical worldview. You see, it says in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have 
success. Also, Paul is talking to a younger Timothy in this next scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17. You have been taught the Holy Scripture from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All the scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip us, equip his people to do every good work. The first core value that I wanna talk to you about today is grit. Grit. Definition in the Bible is steadfastness and endurance. More than ever, we live in a time that we need grit. We need endurance and we need steadfastness. I don't know if you feel that. There's such a weight in our world today. There's so many things because of all that we hear, the times that we're in, the different opinions. There's such a weight that we carry, right? So we need this grit. We need this endurance and we need to know what the word of God says. But there is this lady, her name is Angela Duckworth. And we actually, as a, as a staff, read this book and the book is called Grit. And then after we had all of our staff take this test that was a grit test to know your grittiness. How gritty are you? But you know what? If you're not honest about it and you say, do you procrastinate? and you give yourself a high score, but you really do procrastinate, then it's not gonna really come off as very accurate. So you have to really be honest, like you know in most all of these tests. But this lady, she was a school teacher, and what she saw was that there were so many students that she had that some had high IQs, some IQs were lower, some people had greater talent than others, but none of that mattered when it got to be somebody being getting awards, somebody becoming the valedictorian or the salutatorian. Their success was not based on their IQ. Their success was not based on their talent. But what she had found out, she wanted to go, she left education, she began to do research. And what she found out in her research is that the number one thing that you need if you're going to succeed is grit. You need grit. Grit is a character trait. And like any character trait, it is cultivated by doing something over and over again. So my grit in my own life, my tenacity, what I accomplish in life, staying fit, staying healthy, spirit, soul, and body, I'm gonna have to do something over and over. It's my daily devotion. It's my daily connect time. It's spending time with God. That's how I'm gonna get grit to know God's word and to know who God is and to have a deep relationship with him because he wants that with every one of us. I'm gonna have to get on this rebounder or go work out in the gym. I'll be consistent with doing this in order to develop. It's a character trait. It's like a character trait. So your kids, you may think about your kids when they were born. And as you grew up, there were some of your children, maybe they were really good at getting their chores done and doing what was told of them. And then you have these other ones, you're like, I taught them the exact same way. I told them I had expectations, but they're not accomplishing maybe what one of your other children is accomplishing. You know, I would just tell you about Josh when he was a little boy. Well, 
he was, or even growing up, I should say, he was always very smart. I, he has a very high IQ. And, um, and so he didn't have to ever study. He always made pretty good grades, but you know what? He could have made better grades. But what I saw in him is that he didn't feel like he needed to study because basically when he read something, he retained it and then he was able to just go take the test. Now I had this one here on the front row, little Miss Keela, that she didn't have the same smarts that he had. She was more like me. And so, but she was so gritty. She was so tenacious. She worked hard. And do you know that that is still her life today? Now I'm not saying Josh does not have grit. But you know, early on, he didn't have a lot of that. We had to pour into him. We had to speak into him. We had to tell him, go, 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 go. I mean, we were trying to develop this grittiness in him. But Keila naturally had that. But it doesn't mean that you can't develop grit. No matter where you are on the scale, when you just put one foot in front of the other, you continue to do it over and over again, then you'll develop your grit. We see this in Olympic athletes. What do they do? They get up every morning. Do you think they want to do that? No, but they care about their skill. They care about being a world-class athlete and going to the Olympics. So they get up every day. They swim, they run, whatever they're going to the Olympics for. They are working hard every day. That's what develops your grit. We see this with our soldiers. We see it with the Navy SEALs. We know they have to have grit. So everyone has the capacity for grittiness, the number one predictor of grit is a growth mindset. Carol Dweck is the author of a growth mindset. You can have a fixed mindset. If you have a fixed mindset, you will not have grit. Because why? Why do you need to do anything better? Why do you need to do anything more? Your mind is fixed. I'm good. I'm chill. Just leave me alone. I like doing just kind of what I do. I kind of get up in the morning. I don't set an alarm and, you know, I don't ever work out and it doesn't matter what I eat. I mean, all these things that we can just be who we are. Don't anybody tell me. Or we can say, you know what? I, I want to have this grit. I want to have a passion for life. I want to develop a talent and a skill that I don't feel like I'm ever too old to learn a new skill. So if you're not, you can go back to school. You can develop this grittiness by even applying and then studying. And then before long, you've got some degree where now you're a doctor or you're a lawyer. Or, I mean, we've seen people go through this and, and develop themselves in their life, even in older age. So you're never too old to develop your grittiness. There's a philosopher, and you've heard of him. His name's Aristotle. And all these years ago, he said, virtues are acquired by habitation. They do not arise in us from birth, but we have the capacity to receive and perfect them. So how will you level up with grit? First of all, by understanding grit is not waiting Grit is to work while you wait. So I have three questions for you. What are you working on right now? If you're not aware that there is something you should be working on, then you'll just live in complacency. I mean, think about that. If you're not working on something, then you're just complacent. Like, I don't have anything to work on. 
you know, I'm just going to go to work or I'm just going to get up. So you can come complacent. But if in your mind you're thinking, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on reading my Bible. I'm going to work on exercising more. I'm going to work on my talent. I'm going to develop a skill. Just recently, listen, I'm in my kitchen and uh, I decided I'm going to put up a brick wall. And so I went and got my sister's saw. She does all kinds of stuff. And I just began to, I had said, how do you work this saw? Told me to plug it in, put water in it. And here I go. I'm in my kitchen. I'm putting up these bricks and they're falling down. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm putting cement behind them. But you know what? I was just tenacious. I am going to make this happen. I'm going to build this brick wall. But you know what? It's not stopping and going, oh, I can't do it. And I'm just going to call somebody to do it. Now, it's okay if I'd have done that. But listen, I was in it. I went and bought the brick myself. I got the cement. I did all the research, the work, went and got the saw. So I made that happen. That's grit. Not giving up. Keep going, right? Learn a new skill. If that's putting up a brick wall, whatever that is. So we have to know, what are we working on? You know, last week, Pastor Jeremy talked about going the second mile. Give your time, give your talent, give your treasure. Don't, don't stop, keep working, keep serving God. Because you know what the enemy will tell you? You need to stop. Tells you not to believe in yourself. Don't get up, don't level up. Don't, don't be all that you're supposed to. You know what? There's been too much that's happened in your life. Nobody wants you in this church. You don't need to serve because if they really knew what you did and they really knew what your past was, that is the lie of the enemy. Because you know what? Today is a new day. God has a great plan for your life. It doesn't matter what the past looks like. You can level up. Get up. That's what I want to encourage you. If you're sitting here today and you're not doing anything, can I tell you to get up? Get up, get up, because God is calling you higher. He wants you to level up. What are you speaking over yourself? Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? I can't tell you how many times I've spoken death over myself. I beat myself up. I don't know if it comes from some ways I've, I've been a perfectionist. The way that I appear, or the way that I look, or the way that I sound. I can't even listen to myself after a message. I'm like, oh Lord, no, turn that thing off. I can't even stand to hear myself. I beat myself. I still have to work on that. Because you know what? The enemy just wants us to say negative things to ourselves. That's why we got to say what the word of God says over us. We got to speak life to ourselves. Say you are precious. You are special. God put greatness inside of you. You carry the DNA of Jesus Christ in you. So what are you focused on? Are you focused on your disappointments? Because we can do that. Are you focused on your goals? What should you be working on that you aren't working on? Only you know this. What are you putting off? Are you working more on your frustrations and why something isn't happening? Are you working on a good attitude? Are you working on a bad attitude? Whoa, sometimes it feels good. I don't know. I've had a bad attitude before and I'm like, this feels really good, but not for long. And I'm like, that was really bad. I need to ask for forgiveness. But at the time it just felt so good because I was mad. Have you ever been there where you're just mad? And it's like, no, I'm just going to tell you like it is. And no, I'm frustrated right now. And you need to know why I'm frustrated right now. And I just I had to get it all out. Then when I got it out, I'm like, no, it's not good. See, y'all think he calls me Pastor Precious. Well, that's why, because he keeps trying to speak it into me. Needs me to be precious when I'm just, you know, just when I'm not, not positive and I'm being negative. But listen to this leadershipology. Whatever you decide to work on will either work for you or against you in your future. So what in your life right now needs the most work? Because sometimes what needs the most work is we're blaming on somebody else. 
We're saying it's somebody else's fault. If they would have just done this. Today is a new day, people. We can't keep looking at the past. We can't blame our mom and dad. We can't blame, you know, a situation, a teacher. This is a new day. What do you need to be working on? You know what? I can get frustrated and I can blame things on Pastor Keith. I can blame things on people that they affected my attitude or they affected the state that I'm in right now. No, I'm responsible for myself. Nobody's responsible for how I act or the frustrations I have. I have to lead myself. So whenever you answer those three questions, if you do it unto the Lord, you will not labor in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we are in our year of promise. The Bible is filled with all kinds of gritty examples of people that had so much grit. You know what? They didn't see the promises. If the promises took a long time to be fulfilled. And we see this in the life of Noah. He built a big old boat. There had never been any rain. He had never seen rain. But God told him that there was going to be a flood. A flood? There had never even been rain. It took a decade for this rain to come. But you know what? The rain come had come. But he had to have grit to stay in the fight. There was Abraham and Sarah. Over a quarter of a century, they waited for Isaac, for the promise of God, but they had grit. Jacob, you heard about that when I spoke on Mother's Day. He served his devious uncle Laban for seven years and got Leah, and he had to serve another seven years for Rachel to get his promise. Did he have grit? Absolutely. Then we see Joseph. Joseph was in prison, and he had to have grit to be able to overcome getting out of prison and saving his family. Then we see Moses. Moses led the children of Israel. Do you know the children of Israel were not submitted to authority? They roamed in the desert for 40 years. It took 40 years to see the promise fulfilled. And that's a long time to have grit. What about you? Are you frustrated because your promise hadn't been fulfilled? You feel like God has forsaken you and he's not hearing you and he's not fulfilled your, I mean, this is our year of promise, guys. And we're wanting to see that promise come to pass. But if you don't see it come to pass in this year, will you stand in 2023? Will you stand in 2024? Will you keep fighting? Will you keep believing? Will you keep serving God even when you don't see the promises of God in your own life? That's what all these people did in the Bible. They're wonderful examples for us. And then I look at Paul. His life, he lived, he endured shipwrecks, floggings, beatings, and so much more to accomplish the goals, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. If you read the Bible, you can see what devastation he went through. And at the end of all of it, he was martyred for Jesus and then Jesus, who is the grittiest of them all. He was a man of such sorrows as well had ever known, who in the garden facing a horror that only God could experience, said to the Father, he didn't want to do this. He didn't want to go to the cross, but he said, what did he say in Mark 14, 36? Not what I will, but your will be done. He moved with relentless determination to the cross Never has more grit for the sake of love ever been seen. 
He did not let hunger. He did not let storms. He didn't let betrayal keep him from saving us. He went to the cross for us. He took the stripes on his back for our, not only our sins, but for our sickness, for our diseases. Hebrew 10, 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. That is God's word to you today. Be strong, be courageous, knowing that he is working for you and your work will be rewarded. How will you level up with grit? Make godly grit a personal goal. This biblical grit differs from worldly bootstrap grit in a crucial way. Biblical steadfastness and endurance has at its core a faith. It tests on the promises of God in our lives. True godly grit is able to strive hard and stand fast because it is empowered by God's grace. Now this is Godly grit. It's your personal goal. Make godly grit a personal goal. I worked harder than any of them. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. So when you work hard and you, you give your life to Jesus and you have this godly grit, it's not the power that's in you. It's greater that's he that's in you. You don't have to do it on your own. God's grace comes through and empowers you to do what he has called you to do. But so many times we don't see that. We try to operate on our own grace. But God has put this power and this greatness in you. So what you keep doing is you keep stepping one foot in the front of the other. And before you know it, his grace is made sufficient for you. It says, James 1.3, you know the testing of your faith produces steadfast Grit, steadfastness grit. Godly grit empowers us to make it through with God's grace. Another way of saying this is God depends on my grit to get his power. If he's going to get his power, he can't just operate in his own power. He uses us, right? So your part is grit, which is steadfastness, staying steadfast, enduring to the end, and his part is power. Because we have to understand where our strength comes from. I know that you probably can think even in your own life when times, that, times were tough and times that you were struggling and you're like, how did I even make it through? You can look back and say, how did I make it through? How did we get through this? At the time, times can be devastating. You can be unsure about why God's allowing things to happen in your life. And then when you just put one foot in front of the other and face it head on, say, God, you're with me. You go before me. You make every crooked path straight. And I'm just gonna rely on you. And I'm gonna rely on your grace. And God always comes through. So this is a prayer the early church prayed. And maybe if we pray the prayers that this early church prayed, we might see the power that the early church saw. Are you interested in hearing what this prayer was? Because the power of the Holy Spirit came. After they prayed this prayer, there was an earthquake and the power of the Holy Spirit came and filled them, everyone, with the Holy Spirit. This is the prayer that they prayed. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us and empower us. 
as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. That prayer set in motion the power of the Holy Spirit that came into every one of them. How many of you want signs and wonders to happen? I want that. I want that in our church. I want a church that's passionate about serving God. That says, God, I want all the gifts that you have for me. I want you to use me. I want you to use me in this house. I want you to use me with other people. God, I have gone through my own life experiences so that I can help others. You have gone through your own life experiences that I have never been through that we all need each other in the body of Christ to be here, to come together, to help each other. There's so much that happens in freedom where there's so many people that have been through life's challenges and have faced such great difficulties. But when the men and women stand on this stage and they declare how good God is and what he's done for them and how he's seen them, them through, it gives other people the hope that God will see them through. But you know what? People have to use their voices. People have to be willing to share their testimonies. People have to be willing to stand in the front of this stage and speak life over you and stand in agreement with you. That's why it's so important by who we align ourselves with and what we do. Why do we need to level up with grit? You need grit because life is eternal. The things that are unseen, which are eternal, are made manifest by the things that are seen. That is temporary. That's Romans 1.20. You see, the devil wants you to be discouraged by the things in the scene. That is why you need godly grit. That is why we have to level up. A gritty Christian knows that being all God wants him or her to be may look like worldly success, but it also might look like failure. Well, who wants to sign up for that? I mean, there's no guarantee. Godly grit doesn't guarantee worldly success. I mean, what we would label is like, oh, wow, God is really working in their life because look at all their success. That's not necessarily godly grit. Godly grit can look like failure. How many times have we seen, even in our world today, we see it throughout the Bible, generations of martyrs, Stand as witnesses to the truth. Let us be gritty for Christ. No matter what that looks like, no matter what difficulties you face, let's be gritty for Christ. Because of Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection, we're no longer bound by our inadequacies and insecurities. Everything we are comes from God. Do you know grit is an integral part of our biblical worldview? Without grit, we'll just be open to whatever comes our way, whatever alignments we have, whoever speaks into our life. So I wanna ask you, after hearing a message about a biblical worldview, about being a little bit more gritty in our life and establishing a patterns of things that in your life that are, would be healthy for you, that would help you, in your, whether it's your walk with God, whether it's in your own physical life, spiritual life, your emotional life, to be more gritty and to be tenacious in deciding and answering these questions to say, what am I working on? 
What, God, what do you want me to do? What, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What can I do? What can I offer this church? We have so many ways that you can serve in this house. We have so many ways to help you in your walk with God. We offer a lot of things here. We don't want you to just check the church box. Just come to church and say, well, I did my good deed for the week. And it's just, this is only one time a week. Now we're not trying to get you busy and living this busy life and having you do more things at the church. But we just believe that when you get involved in Bible studies, when you get involved in groups and you connect, whether it's with women's groups and the mighty men on Saturday morning, we have she gatherings, we have just so many things and you know, marriage ministry that takes place. We, do we just want your life to get busier? No, we wanna empower you and we wanna equip you so that you can live a life that really matters. It's the reason why we're here, to make a difference, to share the love of Jesus with others, and we cannot do it alone. You know, by myself, I really feel like I'm a pretty good person. But you put Keith beside me, and oh my goodness, he just creates all kinds of struggles in me because I have to deal with my attitude. And so he may say something, but you know what? That's the way it is in church. Sometimes people don't come to church and don't want to deal with people or they leave a church because somebody just made them mad. Well, you know what? That's, that's just life. That's the way life is. And it makes us better when we face those challenges because you know what? Life is eternal. We're not going to live here forever. This is so temporary, what we're doing right now, but it's preparing us for the place that God has for us. So let's make the most of this life. Let's give all we got to loving each other, caring for one another, telling everybody about the love of God and not just keeping it to ourselves, knowing that He has a great plan for our life. I wanna encourage you, if you feel like, man, I'm gonna get that grit. I'm gonna go after it. I'm, gonna, I'm challenged in this moment. There's something I'm gonna do. When I leave this place, I'm gonna be better about reading the Bible. I'm gonna be better about exercising. I'm gonna work on a skill or a talent or I'm gonna go back to school. I don't care. Maybe I didn't even name what it was that you're thinking of. I wanna encourage you to stand up if you say, I'm gonna take on, I'm gonna level up and I am going to just empower myself by putting one foot in front of the other and having this grit that God wants me to have. Will you stand up? Yes, yes, yes. Give yourselves a hand. <clears throat> I love it. God wants you to be gritty, right? And don't go grow weary in doing well because in due season, you will reap if you don't faint, right? Yes, yes. So let me pray for you because God wants to do great things for you. And only you know what you got from this message and how you're gonna take this and your life is gonna be changed. Trust me, I believe this and I'm speaking it over you. Father, I just thank you for these amazing leaders in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you have a great destiny and a plan for your, their lives. You wanna do great things from them. Father, I pray that they'll just rise up that they'll take their place wherever they go. If it's talking to a friend this week, if it's in a cubicle, if it's in an office, Lord, that they won't step back, that they're not gonna be controlled by what the world says or what the world says we shouldn't say, but they're gonna stand for you and they're gonna share 
the love of Christ with others because that is the whole reason that why we're here. And in the process, they're going to develop their gifts and strengthen themselves by coming in unity with one another and having right alignments. Father, we talk about that all the time in this house, how important that is. But let us go out into this world and be a light wherever we go. Thank you, Lord, that you're just building grit inside of everyone that hears my voice, those that are watching online. And thank you, Lord, for all that are hearing this message today. May they feel encouragement to be more for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're so glad you came to church today. So glad you were here. Go, I'm gonna tell you, go grit it. Go grit it, say, say it. Go grit it, that's right. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.